our community, um, and the region that we've been called to. Uh, I'm going to invite now our surprise for today, our founding pastor, Pastor Roland, <laughs> who will be sharing. He actually, <laughs> it's a little bit of a change because I was supposed to speak today. And then he did this amazing message in our ACM denominational meeting, right? And I, like, I've heard Uncle Roland so many times. And I'm sitting there going, wow, this is gold. So he's going to take the first part of my message. I've given him as long as he wants. Um, and then I'll just come up after he's done talking. So please give it up for our founding pastor, Pastor Roland Seahow. <laughs> oh, I, I wasn't really prepared for this, but uh, I'm just going to share basically what I shared at the pastor's conference that we just had uh, this past week. And um, so many of the pastors were really impacted through this uh, short message. And, and I, I really want to bring this as a revelation to you that it, it would not just be knowledge, but that it would be an eye-opener for you and it will change your life because the way you look at God's house will determine your destiny as well, all right? So, first of all, let's look at the criteria for a successful church. To most pastors, when I ask them, what's the criteria for a successful church, they will immediately think of a big church, wonderful building, uh, great ministries, great worship, you know, great uh, cell group structure, whatever it is. And, and they are thinking along uh, the worldly lines, I would say. But God has a different criteria for a successful church. And... Um, First of all, we've got to understand what the world is about and why we are even here, why the church even exists. First of all, the world out there is hungry for love, acceptance, identity. They don't know who they are. They, they are lost. That's why many jump off the cliff because they are trying to find sense and meaning to their lives. They can't find it out there. They can't find purpose and most of all, they can't find a sense of belonging because the family, the natural family that they are part of often is ripped apart. Ripped apart by divorce, by strife, by misunderstandings, by abuse. All kinds of things happen in their natural family and so, so much so that sense of belonging even in the natural realm, in the natural family, it's totally gone. And America, for one, is a very, very fragmented society. And not only that fragmentation has taken place in America, it's spread throughout the world just as they export all their culture of McDonald's and other things over the world. That culture of fragmentation and the sense of independence has been exported around the world to the point that even Asians that, tend, that used to be very communal are now very individualistic and very uh, independent in their thinking, thinking that they can do it on their own. I can stand on my own. I'm an island, so to speak. But, you know, Jesus birthed and empowered the church to meet this very need that I, I've just talked about. This need of, of loneliness, of uh, a need for belonging, 
uh, a need of purpose and identity. The church is meant to provide that. That's what Jesus came. When Jesus came, he, he did that for those around him. His disciples were lost and empty. They were just fishing and just going about life, earning a living. But Jesus came and, and impacted their lives, turned their lives inside out, upside down, and to align with God's purpose. But unfortunately, you know, uh, the, the church is not fulfilling what Jesus has asked the church to do. And so here we see in, in Galatians 6, 9 to 10, it says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And here we have mentioned this, uh, for the first time here in the Bible, this concept of the family of faith, the household of faith. Very often, we view the church as an institution, as an organization. But the Bible actually wants us to view the church as a family of faith. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the... Uh, sorry, let me just... Uh, Look out here first. In, in Psalm 68 and verse 5 to 6, it says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. So here we see that um, this uh, verse here, it says, the middle part says, God sets, actually the, the right translation for lonely is solitary. The individual, the solitary people who are by themselves, He sets them in families. So it's not us who choose who, which family to be set in. I would have loved to be set in the royal family of England then, you know, I can shake leg and just enjoy life and that kind of thing, all right, in the natural. But do we have a choice in which family we are set in? We don't. God is the one who sets you in a family. And you've got to discover that there is a purpose for you to be set in a family in both the natural and the spiritual family. Because that's his pattern. That's his idea for you to be established in that. But, uh, and, and you know, I, I came across this verse just yesterday that gave me a, a deeper revelation of why God sets people in a family. In, um, in Leviticus 25 verse 10, it says that, uh, it talks about the Jubilee. I, I won't go into that, but... Uh, in Leviticus 25 verse 10, it says about the Jubilee, that in the day of Jubilee, the 50th year, is to be a time of restoration, correct? And uh, in Acts as well, it talks about times, in Acts 3, I think it talks about times of refreshing and restoration. From refreshing comes restoration. So the whole purpose of God sending the Holy Spirit, establishing the church, 
is to restore the world, to restore the people in the world. How does he go about restoring the people of the world? In fact, it'll be good for me to read that. Uh, let me just go to that verse very quickly. All right. In Leviticus 25, because this is really the key to what I'm talking about here. In Leviticus 25, verse 10, it says, And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property. That means you recover all your lost property. And each of you shall return to his family. See, God had intended the family as, a, as the system or the means by which you are restored and by which you are healed. But unfortunately, we do not see that. We, we see that uh, we have here the organizational or institutional model versus a household of faith model. God intended the church to be a household, a family of faith. But what did, what did the church do? They turned it into an organizational entity. We, we have become institutional. We have just like become uh, um, Apple company or Microsoft or like any other company, you know, uh, having CEOs and KPIs and all these sort of things. Uh, no different. And because we have become institutional, like the Catholic Church, or organizational, rather than a family model, so much abuse has occurred. So much pain. The church has inflicted so much uh, damage, trauma and pain to, to the members of the church rather than healing and restoration as intended by God uh, the day of Jubilee because we now live in the day of Jubilee in the Lord. It's, it's the, day, the day of salvation. It's the day of Jubilee that we should be receiving restoration. But what's the means by which we receive restoration? Through the church, through His family. And they shall return, they shall recover their family, be returned to the family, recover all your property. Everything that you have lost was supposed to be restored through that family. But because we have followed the wrong pattern, there's so much abuse and so much pain and destruction, through, even through the church. It says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus, from whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named. So God the Father, He is the Father of the family and we are the family of God on earth here and there is the family of God in heaven as well that we will meet eventually. We are all part of one big family. Unfortunately, man has turned the church into a consumer church and we run uh, from one church to another just to get the best and the latest, the latest and greatest, you know. Oh, there's a special deal here. <laughs> this is the best deal that we can get. We run to get the best deal and, and just shop around for the best church, so to speak. The, the Christians, the general Christians is not to be blamed. 
I would blame the leadership, basically, because the leadership have misunderstood the purpose of the church and, and what we are supposed to be. And not only have we become a consumer church, we have become an entertainment church. And so when people are not entertained, you know, they go to the, 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 the best circus in town, so to speak, because they, they uh, right now, entertainment is, is, has become our idol. And we think that the church needs to be an entertainment center as well. But it doesn't mean that the church is boring, all right? Is our church boring? No. Family should not be boring. But nevertheless, we should not focus on entertainment. In, in the uh, family, do you have to really always entertain your kids? Well, some families do, I think. But it's, your family is not the place for entertaining your kids, always entertaining them. But you can relax with your family at home, right? And they should be able to grow up, be nurtured within the family. And they are not ones who's, who says, oh, I'm, I'm tired of this church. There's not an, enough fun in this church. I think I'll go find another church where there's greater entertainment. But that's what's happening right now. In America, anyway, people are running from church to church because of entertainment factor. And the other thing is, why is it wrong for Christians to just stay at home and not go to church and uh, have the best messages on YouTube and uh, best worship on YouTube? Why? Because we are family. You can't get family through YouTube, can you? You can't. And, and sometimes when you go online and try to create family, you get abused you, you, because you're dealing with strangers that you do not know. And so because we are family, we have to be gathered together. That's what assembly is about. Assembly is uh, the word ecclesia, is, is the word, the Greek word for church is ecclesia, which means an assembly a coming together of individual parts. Just like in an assembly plan for your Toyota car or Honda or Mercedes-Benz car, every part is useless when it's not assembled. Can you imagine the motor on, on, on you know, it does not work on its own. It needs other parts to come together to be a useful car or an aeroplane or whatever it is, it, the individual parts need to be assembled and then it will fulfill its function and be able to be so powerful and fulfill the purpose for, for why it is even created. So brothers and sisters, I know there are many individual Christians out there who are just worshipping God through YouTube and, and all that. They are not assembled. Yes, they may be effective in little ways, but their effectiveness is probably 5% or, or 10% of what they could have been if they were assembled with the other parts. And then they will find their identity within the, the family of God. You find your identity. You, Nikki is, is, is Chris Ong's part of Chris Ong's family, all right? Nikki Ong finds his identity 
because Chris and Mayan have given him that identity. He hasn't come to this world and say, hello everybody, the moment he's born, I'm Nikki, you know, and uh, I know who I am. No, he doesn't know who he is. No baby knows who he is. The identity comes from the context of the family. Amen. Let's uh, move on. What legacy are we building or passing on? We need to understand what legacy, what we are doing in, 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 in being a church. And you know, many people say, oh, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a dentist, I'm a teacher, I'm an engineer. Do you find your identity in that? No. You are first of all a son or daughter of God, but fulfilling this, this profession. But whether you are a doctor, dentist, or a teacher, or engineer, that's, that's, that's not who you are. You are first and foremost the son and daughter of God. And so as a son and daughter of God, you thrive in the right environment. And ecologists have shown us that forests that have old trees and young trees side by side are the healthiest of forests. But nowadays, we don't like the old ones. Out you go, you know. The old ones, you've got no place in the family of God. Within the family, there is a role for grandparents, aren't there? Yes, definitely, all right? And, but in the church, often, there is no place for the older generation. When the senior pastor retires or resigns, normally out they go. The, the new senior pastor doesn't want the old man to be around, so out he goes because he might interfere and all that. That's from an organizational kind of thinking. But if we are a family, then when the senior pastor retires, like, like not, I haven't fully retired, not, not retired, but when I step down from my role, I'm playing now the grandfather role. All right? And so that's why I can play with young, younger people. They are my grandchildren. They may not be my children, they might be my grandchildren, right? Like Ethan, you know, I, I can play table tennis with him and even beat him, all right? And not for long. See, Jesus came to show us a new model. And that new model is supposed to be this model where the general intergenerational gap between fathers and sons and daughters are broken. There shouldn't be a gap. And in Malachi 4, 5 to 6, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and heart of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. We don't want God to curse the land. And we have seen that when this gap is not uh, bridge when there is a huge gap between one generation and the next there, there's immense uh, social breakdown in that society as we have seen even in, in western countries and that's a curse it's a curse to see broken families in society broken families result in broken individuals and a lot of our our adult 
issues actually stem from our childhood. It does. And, and, and it, it, if you trace it, if you talk to psychologists, they will tell you that uh, it stems from your childhood. And so we've got to bring wholeness to young people growing up. And that can only happen if fathers would rise up. And so we believe that in this household of faith, we need to raise up fathers. I'm not just the only spiritual father. There are many fathers and mothers. When we talk about fathers, we include mothers. We need to raise up fathers and mothers. And so we need to see that in this lesson here, that these forests are healthy because the old trees have created channels by which the younger trees can use to access water and nutrients. And so, when you come to this family, we've got to learn to bridge the gap. We've got to work with the older ones, with the younger ones. And the younger ones can learn from the grandpas and grandmas here. And, and uh, Uncle Alan says, Amen. Especially in the area of fishing. You can learn incredibly from him, you know. And, and the sons have learned from him. And some of the sons have even become better than him, all right? But it uh, doesn't matter if you're a, a father, you want your son to be better than you. And so this is the lesson that we need to take home to, today. That we are part of God's family. The family of God is the healing agent and restoration agent for all individuals. He sets you solitary in families. But it says that the rebellious, those who don't want to be part of the family, who want to go to the YouTube and worship God at home, they, they, they dwell in a dry land, it says. You, 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 you don't get spiritual nourishment and healing and restoration. Over to you, my son, Chris. Thank you so much, Pastor Roland. Oh, wow. See, he makes my job so easy. This is so good. Um, I'm just so thrilled um, that Pastor Roland got to share that. And every single time I sit down and I hear that, I'm more and more convicted about what we're supposed to be doing um, as a church. You know, um, Jesus was introduced as a son. He was introduced as a son in his commissioning. God the Father says, well done, my beloved son. You know, the, this is not made up language. We're not just pro-family. We're not just, oh, Asian and we like families. This is God's model. This strike the earth with a curse, that is the last verse of the Old Testament. And so then we see in the New Testament that curse get broken. How has it been broken? And so I, am, I cannot tell you, I am so thrilled about our new series. Um, it's really been 25 years for me. Um, I've been working off on this book that, that's really been trying to capture the essence of, of FGA and what our call is for FGA. Um, let's be really clear sort of on the outset. You know, family in and of itself is not awesome. 
we all know that our closest relationships can hurt us. So we're not just saying, oh, hey, let's just do family. Uh, nobody should be rebellious. Never say anything bad about anyone older than you or, or whatever else it is. That's not the goal of this series. In fact, I think the goal, the goal in fact, if we're supposed to do this well, I think we want to learn from 25 years of having... Tr- having to live this out in our lives that's why I'm hoping that this series that you would pay attention really closely because it is not an easy path that we've gone through and it is not an easy goal to try to keep a household of faith together serving the Lord that's probably why a lot of people have given up on the goal altogether they've seen a bad example of it it's just too hard. It's a lot easier to do McDonald's church. It's so easy because we know what that's like. I used to do consulting. Like a few KPIs, you hire a few people. If they don't go well, you just sack them. You just get somebody else. You just revamp. Every new CEO comes in, rebrands the whole church, whatever it is, right? Like it's easier, but I think what we found is that we're actually developing the wrong model. So what you get in the end as the fruit is not life-giving. What you're, what you're resulted with is not the actual intended thing that God had for His church and for God's family and your family. So, over the last 25 years, we've actually been trying the harder road. That means, and I'm speaking to so many of you here who have been at FJ for a long time. This, this series is not going to be a big surprise for you. So you know what it's like to be out there saying, I cannot sell the food to you until the service is over. And somebody's like saying, no, you must sell me my durian right now. And then fight, 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 fight. Or, you know, uh, booking conflicts between or somebody offended somebody else. We know what that's like to have multi-generations in here. You know, oh, I cannot breathe because of the fog machine or whatever the thing is, right? Like... We know what that's like in real life. So if we could just have an honest conversation over the next few months, we want to help you in your family as you live out how to be a household of faith because we've been trying to do this. Uh, Even with passing Pastor Roland, um, senior pastor to me, in our own homes, in our lives, we've been trying to do this. And so that's what we're um, uh, sharing in this series. Um, As you know, it's anchored around... Our key passage, Joshua 24, 15. Um, Today, I'm going to talk a lot about the church and various things. You need to understand that we're anchoring it on a narrative. So we're anchoring it on this passage that says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let me give you a quick biblical background and a brief history about this passage. Uh, I know many of you have heard it. So Joshua takes God's people into the promised land. They've done it. They've arrived at the place. This is at the end of the book of Joshua. He is in the next few verses, he is going to die. All right? And so he's like, we've made it here. I just need to make sure that everybody's on the same page as we build this new place. So he addresses everybody in the nation. I've led you here. Come on. I want... 
to make sure we're going to serve the Lord. So he gets up, and in the verses before this, in fact, in just the first part of this um, verse, he says, look, 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 if you want, you can just serve any other gods you want, whether the gods from where you came from or the gods that in the, in the place that we have come into, right? But as for me and my house, as for me, Joshua, right, I'm going to serve the Lord. And then all the people, everyone says multiple times, we will serve the Lord. We swear to you, we will serve the Lord. Oh, God is so good. He has brought us. We will serve the Lord. Again and again, they chant. And then Joshua dies. And then we get into the book of Judges. So the very next thing that happens is Judges says, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. So the historical context of this is everybody seeing those words up there, saying that they're going to do it, and then not actually doing the judges opens up an era in the Bible of really God's people going all the way, turning away from Him. Those were not good times for the nation of Israel. So how is it that they can all answer yes and when it comes to implementing it in their own homes and in their own families, right? It's not like Joshua. Um, it's because all is not what it seems on the surface. Um, for Joshua though, he himself, if you look at Joshua himself, his life, it went further than just uh, an outward show. Joshua was the one who had faith to take, go into the land. Joshua's the one who saw the giants and went, you know what? I, God, I serve the Lord. God is actually real in my home and in my life. And it's for me and my house. I'll serve the Lord. But it turned out more than half of the people who ended up saying those things never really meant it. Um, actually, this series, and in particular today's uh, session, is a bit of a celebration because uh, if you're at FJA long enough, you'll know 90% of our messages are scolding, just like my childhood, right? Um, but today is the 10% where we are going to celebrate what God is actually doing in and through us because I think FJ actually is a product of living this out. I'm actually so thrilled at what God is doing in our lives. That's why we're actually talk, taking time to talk about it, why I'm writing a book about it, because it's quite different from what we're all seeing out there. Um, if you've grown up with FJ, maybe this is not new, but it's so important for us to hear it again and again. Um, this was a photo of uh, over the over our our weekend. So um, thank you so much for the, such a great celebration. I think last weekend was a great snapshot, even if it was just the tip of the iceberg. You know, we had probably a thousand two hundred uh, over the weekend. I mean, obviously double count, right? But uh, but we had so many people come together um, to celebrate what God is doing in. Uh, our church but more than just the people coming was the kind of style it was and the kind of ethos that was taking place uh, in there and I not I've now discovered that not everybody sees FGA the way I see it because I grew up here 
I grew up in this church. I was just a teenager when FGA started. And so when I talk about it, I feel like I could talk really with a lot of um, sort of, maybe pride is not the right word, but with a lot of um, enthusiasm, maybe. Because I was a byproduct of FGA. This concept, it was not created by me. I, I've, I've actually been mining it from Pastor Roland's model. And I've seen it at work um, in, in our family, in our, in our family's life as well. Um, so let me give you my lens of what is happening at FGA, all right? And I think if you, if you ask me for my lens, it begins with a very big picture. So you first have to start wide and you go, what's FGA like relative to the country we've been placed in? So let me give you some statistics about our country and then our church, your church. And in fact, I think because of the way FGA is, it's also slightly representative of your own specific family if you've grown here. Because I can name you so many families that are like this. But anyway, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, as you know, collects up how many people tick the box Christian in Australia. There's a lot of people tick Christian. McCrindle, um, who is a Christian research organization in Australia, does research based off of the ABS and with, they're the largest Christian survey we have in our country, all right? And they found that, listen to this, 8%, 8% of the people who tick the box Christian attend church. 8% of the people who tick Christian attend church. That's just attend church. Then we know that the average attendance of church is actually once every two weeks. So that the average Christian, not only only 8% attention, half of them aren't even there on every Sunday, right? So maybe that's only 4%. And that is just attending. That's just attending what about serving? So that's not even serving, right? Um, and so let's say 4%, because there are 8%, and on any given Sunday, there's only 4%. How many of that 4% are serving? And if we would take that even further, that's just serving. We all know that playing keyboards and ushering, that's not your home family life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Your, our home faith, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's one step even further. So you have to understand that by the time we're talking about having a church, we're actually, we're more concerned, not concerned about how our Sunday service goes and what, what, you know, what we do with the organization. When we're solely focused on how is your home, how is your life, as for you and your house, are you serving the Lord? We're very much a minority of the average Christian in Australia that ticks the box, I am a Christian. Because if all you were doing at church was just showing up, any number of leaders at FGA 
my mom, Pastor Roland, Roger, various other people, would just scold you. Because that's not even the model at all. That is not what we're shooting for. Uh, do you know why Christianity is dying in Australia? I think it's because of what Pastor Roland was just sharing. That people are coming, they're being saved, they're coming into organizations and they're discovering it's not life-giving. And that we've been training people just to sit down on seats and then as quick as possible, services are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Let's get it over and done with because we've got our actual real lives to live and church has got nothing to do with that. So that's not the goal. That's why I like this Joshua passage because it reminds us that people can just say things. They can just put, as for me in my house, as a poster in their wall at home. That's not the goal. That's why if you look a little bit deeper into the passage, you see it's gold because it's a double meaning. It's more than just saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's saying most of the people who say it don't believe it. But it's said by a guy who does. Um, you know, here's another example of why FGA is so different. Uh, I was meeting with a pastor friend a few years ago in, in the States and we were talking and he has a church around our size. In fact, back then his church was around 500, so maybe a little bit bigger than us. And he said, and he quoted American statistics, that he said that, and it was true in his church because he was serving it. He said, on average, 20% of a church serves. 20% of a church. So in his church of 500, 100 people were serving and doing things in his church. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you looked around last weekend, but at FGA, I would personally be surprised. I would be blown out of my mind if maybe 20% of FGA didn't serve. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like maybe 20% just completely, I'm walking around the stalls. We've got little children. They're serving. Do you want fried chicken? You know, we've got like... Oh my goodness, we've got retirees. Like my mom and my dad, right? My dad is running, he's 70, he's running, carrying around food to people. Oh my goodness, if we had it the other way around, 20% not serving, right? That would be like, oh, just, that would be just about right for us. If it was 20% that served at FGA, we would be flabbergasted. That's the kind of church that God is calling us to build and, and do because we're active, we're personally involved, we're part. Being part of God's family is not just sitting down on, on the side. You know, another, another distinctive which Uncle Roland uh, alluded to was um, this multi-generational element. Households are not one generation. By definition, a household is multi-generational. We know that God's plan is multi-generational. It's his, his model. He's placed people in families. You can't be a family of just sons. How did the sons get there? Or daughters, right? Like, um, and, we, and we know it's so hard um, to do. We got so many comments, actually, of people seeing all the different generations working together. And we know on the inside, it's tough. We know it's tough, but we're going to do good to the household of faith. And um, so anyway, it's important for us as a church to regularly talk about our vision. Household of faith is the specific calling of this church. We've been 
implementing it for 25 years, it's important for us to have the vision. Vision is like when you close your eyes, what do you see? Right? What do you see for us in the future? What kind of pattern are we going? Like, what does, it, what does FGA look like 10 years down the road? Right? 10 years ago, we closed our eyes. 25 years ago, we closed our eyes and we saw a vision Right? We didn't use the same words, but we saw a vision of a multi-generational household of faith that is for me and my house, we would serve the Lord. Right, And so it's important for us to remind ourselves of the vision. It must shine bright and we must build the same thing together. I mean, why do you think Coca-Cola still does ads all the time? Everybody knows what Coca-Cola does and what they sell and whatever it is. It's because they have to keep pumping it out, the vision. Uh, I think it's so crucial for us as a church, even in our families, that we have to have the vision front and center. That means in your home, you've got to talk to your children or your wife, or you have to remind yourself. You, you have to remind, I have to remind myself as a dad. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. We serve the Lord. That means if they're serving the, if, they're, if there's something that's detracting us from serving the Lord, then we need to have a discussion about it for, in, in my life as a dad. Okay, uh, you know, um, I'm reminded of a story that um, I tell in the book, but it's, it's so pivotal for me. Many, many, many years ago, I sat down with a pastor, and we were talking about, um, so true story, I'll keep the pastor's name anonymous. Um, but we were talking, and I was sharing some of this stuff about household of faith, you know, and about, like, it's for me and my house. And this guy, we were just getting to know each other, and he said, the, he resonates exactly with what I'm sharing, what we're sharing. Yes, family is so important, you know, uh, we should be a godly family. And then if we're all together, then our whole church family will also be godly families or whatever. Great, great. So we're talking, talking, talking. He agrees fully with me. I'm agreeing with him. We're like moving in unity. And then later down the conversation, he reminds me of what we started with. And he says, you know, Chris, Family is so important to me. My wife and I and our kids, we never miss Christmas lunch with my parents. No matter what happens, we will be there, rain or shine. And like, I'm looking at him, I'm going, was that the best example you came up with? So I asked him, you know, like, your parents live far away. They're, no, they're in the same city. It's just that, and he went to explain that his wife had some problems with uh, his parents, and so it was pretty tough, and they were, you know, and so, but they would commit that once a year, at Christmas lunch, they would prioritize family. If, if I only visited my mom and dad once a year at Christmas, that would not be the example like, I, no, and, and look, to be honest, like, I understand his family position, and I'm, I, I really, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to um, talk down what's going on in his family, and I know he's working through a bunch of things, right? But what I'm trying to say is that that was his best example of being a prioritizing family. And when I heard it, just at face value, that would have been my worst example of family importance just like some church would say 20% involvement is their best example yet if our church went to 20% of people involved that would be our worst example I still remember our home group um, model that we when I was first starting you know we, we did this book on 
uh, cell church, right? And then I read the appendix of the book and they were showing off all their, you know, what they had produced in their church. And they got to the end and they go, based on this model, we have achieved 50% attendance in our home group. That means in their church, 50% of their church attends a home group. Not, not is regular in home group, attends a home group. And I looked at that and I went, oh my goodness, their best case dream is our worst case nightmare. Like, we have to make sure that when we use certain words in Christendom and we use certain terms, uh, right, that it has to reflect reality in our lives. And so let's not get misled by churchy type words. So we're going to kick in. Today is the point, uh, today is uh, as for me and my house. And next week, we're going to talk about serve the Lord. And then we're going to go through, uh, if you've been at FJ, we're going to go through the FAITH and talk about real world practical tips of how you can model in your family to build up a household of faith, which I believe in turn would help FGA be a broad household of faith. And so Galatians 6, 9 to 10, which Pastor Owen read, is actually the only verse in the Bible that mentions specifically household of faith. And it used to cause me so much problems um, that it would sound so insular. That this verse says, let's not weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. So let's do good to everyone. And then it says this most selfish, insular thing. It says, yeah, yeah let's help everybody. But in particular... Especially those who are of the household of faith. I've come now to understand why this is so important. Why the Bible has that in, in there. Because households of faith produce integrity. That if you cannot be good, if you cannot show love, if you cannot reflect Christ in your own home with your husband, your wife, with your children, with people who know you, who are close, it's hypocritical. It is actually easier to do good to complete strangers. It is actually easier. If somebody doesn't look like, we go to Philippines, you know, Pastor G is here and we love uh, having Pastor G here. But I, and I love the Philippines. Like, I love what we do in the Philippines. But don't get me wrong. It is easier for me to go there for one week and show love to 2,000 Filipinos than to come back and have to pastor this church and deal with all of the things that we see every day. And even easier than then having to pastor in my own home with our family. So why does this say, especially those who are household of faith? Because it's saying that be the real thing. It's not saying don't do good to other people who are outside. Like we should definitely do that. It says, in fact, if we have every opportunity, let's go and do it. If you can sponsor a kid, if you can go out and help, let's do that. But don't shortchange the people who know you really well because that is hypocritical. That means you're not living as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're not living out in your, the home what it is to be a household of faith. Um, you know, Joshua's story um, is so true of that. His life turned out to be so different from actually the life of the nation he was living 
uh, he was leading, his own life. So he would, even as a young person, he would, um, he would do good to his household of faith. He would rise up to serve. He would serve under Moses. He would be a good supporter of Moses. He would implement that multi-generational thing. He would, he would uh, hold up um, his leader. He would image what it was like to be as for me and my house. We would serve the Lord. And then I think it sits in contrast to many, many other people who would say it but not live it out. So just as I end, and I know this is just the intro to whet your appetite for this whole series, which I think um, is going to remind us why this verse and why this vision is so important to FJA and why it's so important to our, our own families, is that I hope that we would, as a church, and I know we're already doing it. That's why it's a bit of a celebratory message, because I can see, having grown up in this church, I can see us having lived out or at least trying our very, very best to live out this model of a family model of church. And sure, there will be times we get it wrong and there will be things that happen that are hurtful that we will need to actually address and change. But we're not going to throw out the vision to make it easier. Because this is a vision that's given by God. It's His model and I, all of our leadership actually believe it is life-giving. That if we have these healthy families that when we invite the community in to our homes and they meet us, right, that it'll, they'll actually be blessed for it. That when we then invite them into church and then they just, they're introduced to a family model of church, they would have a community that God would place them in families, in spiritual families, even if they're alone. That is the challenge of this church. That is the calling of this church. That's all of us. You know, if I could just say a couple of things just for the behind the scenes between Pastor Roland and I, which you will probably never know. We have had to do good to each other behind the scenes. I know. Pastor Roland has had to do good to me. He's had to put up with my jumping up and down, my craziness and all kinds of things, right? He, I know for a fact he sits down and he goes, I'm going to be good to everybody, but especially Chris over here. I'm, I'm going to do good to him, even though I'm going to forgive him, I'm going to give him a bit of grace. I'm going to, yeah, it, it has most definitely happened. He has modeled, one of the reasons why the transition worked is he has modeled what an older generation does when they want to do good to a younger generation. Um, I, I think behind the scenes, you'll see that both of us have had to do good to each other. I'm not advocating for us to be insular. I'm not. I'm not advocating that you only are nice to people at FGA and outside you treat everybody like dirt. I'm not. Because that verse says, do good to everyone. What I am advocating though, is you don't drop the ball when it comes to our household of faith. That you don't drop the ball when it comes to your wife, your husband, your children. And it's so easy to do good for your boss, still good, easy to do good for everybody else. Today, when we say, as for me and my house, and we look at that verse that says to do good, especially to the household of faith, the challenge for us today is, can we do good 
in this community when somebody double parks you and then forgets to leave their number or or they irritate you in some kind of way or they've rubbed you the wrong way can we show forgiveness can we reflect Christ can we actually nurture what it is to live out a household a multi-generational household of faith together I think we can but I think we need to be reminded all the time that this is our calling so finally I want to say thank you so much because I've seen at FGA all of us expend effort. We don't get weary from doing good. I've seen us do that. We do it till we're tired. I want to congratulate you as a church. I really do. Because I've seen all of us almost get weary. Almost hit the end of how tired we are to put up with a different generation, to put up with one another that we're close. Uh, I want to say thank you so much for serving so well over the last weekend, but more than that, for serving so well in each of the different ministries, in our home groups, in our, in our, in our uh, kids, youth ministry, worship ministry. Then also in your home, so many of you open up your own houses to invite friends along and to serve. I want to thank you so much for that because what you're showing, it's nothing, it's not for the glory of FJ. Trust me. It's for the glory of God. Because what you are showing is that God has put the solitary in homes and that we have been charged as a church to reflect God's very family here on this earth. God's very family here on this earth. So uh, as we close, I'm just going to pray for all of us. Give you all our eyes closed. I want to pray for us as we begin this series that God would reinforce that in our life, in the life of our families and our homes, um, and in the life of the church. Father, thank you so much for 25 years of, of uh, leading this church, of, of guiding and, and, and moving us forward. I pray, Lord God, as we face new challenges, as we grow larger, as we settle into this venue and to settle into this neighborhood, Lord, I pray that you would help us to not forget what kind of church you've asked us to be. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to not forget what kind of family we're supposed to be at home with our husbands and our wives and our children, our grandparents, our in-laws, and those who are so close to us, our best friends. Help us, Lord God, um, as we uh, follow after you and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. All right, God bless you. I'm doing uh, a